Welcome to Tribes Podcast. Thank you for making this message a part of your week. If you're ever in Jackson Hole, we would love for you to visit our tribe family. We meet on Sundays at the Snow King Conference Center. And if you'd like to know more about us, you can find us online or on Facebook by searching tribejh.com. Kim, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, would you turn to the book of Psalms chapter 42? We're going to be in Psalms 42 this morning. I want to give you a quick review. I've titled this series of messages called The Flow of Worship. And if you were here last week, or if you didn't catch last week, I'm sure you listened to the podcast or watched the live stream on Facebook Live on our Facebook page, which is tribejh.com. I'm sure you're, you're up to speed. And last week, we talked about how worship is like the flow of worship is there's this cycle in the flow of worship. And the picture that I want you to get in your mind is that of a heart that pumps blood. In the same way that your circulatory system works, blood flows into the heart. It then gets pumped out to the lungs where it's oxygenated. It comes back into the heart and then out the heart to go to take oxygen-rich blood to the whole rest of your body. I got a thumbs up from my ER nurse, so I basically got it. I'm, I won't get into carotid and superior and inferior vena cava. I won't, I won't do the, any of that because I'll, I'll get myself into trouble really fast. But the, the picture here is the picture that I want you to get into your mind of, of worship. That And last week we talked about how worship is not about you, but it's good for you. Many people go into church thinking that somehow, some way, worship is about them. And here's the reason why we as people tend to do that, because we're just selfish humans and it happens naturally. Don't beat yourself up if you've ever said, oh my gosh, this worship is going so long. I know nobody here has never said any of these things, but oh, worship is going so long, or oh, this song again, or why don't they do that song, or the music is too loud, or the music is too soft, or I like this, I like that. I, ah, ah, ah. The culture that we live in is all about the me pod and the me phone. It's all about us, 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 us. And when we come into church, Whenever I, whenever I share from stage, the message is about God, but it's usually for you, something that you can apply to your life, something that can help you be, live a victorious life. But when it comes to worship, we got to get this idea in our head that worship is not about you. You can have your preference. You are welcome to have your preference and to think about what it is that you like and what you don't like. You're welcome to have your preference, but it's so important for you to remember that worship is not about you, although worship is good for you. Listen to this. Let me just, hold on, quick, quick mini message you're going to get the benefit of. Romans chapter 9, I read this this morning. Romans chapter 9, stay in Psalms 42. Romans chapter 9, uh, verse 4 says this. He gave them, he's talking to the nation of Israel, he gave them the privilege of worshiping him and receiving his wonderful promise. Have you ever thought of being able to worship God as a privilege? Now, depending on maybe countries that you visited or how familiar you are with the, the church around the world, the persecuted church, that might make sense. But in terms of us here today, even in the United States, 
Anytime we open our mouth to sing, whether it's in a corporate setting or in a private setting, the Bible literally tells us that God has given us the privilege of worshiping him. That tells us that it's really not about us. Worship is good for us, but it's not about us. Does that make sense? Okay, let's read Psalms 42. I want to read just a, a few verses for you because today, if you're taking notes, and you can take notes uh, either on that Connect card or you can fill out that Connect card, put it in the bucket. It'll be hard for you to remember those notes that you take and reference them if you leave the Connect card with us. So maybe just take notes on your phone. Psalms 42, here's the title of this morning's message. It does a body good. And I want to read to you just a, a few verses from Psalms 42, verses 5 through 8. And it says this, Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise Him again, my Savior and my God. Now I'm deeply discouraged, but I will remember you even from distant Mount Hermon, the source of the Jordan, the land of Mount Mizar. I hear the tumult of the raging seas as your waves and your surging tides sweep over me. But each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me. And through each night I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. The Psalms goes on, but we're going to stop right there. I want you to notice something about these few verses that really stood out to me. And it's this. He starts out by saying, why am I so discouraged? Have you ever asked yourself that? Have you ever had a bummer of a day and said, why am I having a bummer of a day? Or are you maybe a lot like me? You have a bummer of a day and you're like, I'm just having a bummer of a day. Do you ever stop to think about or evaluate? I know that there are things that happen to us during the day that can bum us out. But have you ever stopped to have a conversation with yourself? Why are you so gray today? Why, why do I feel so, like, blah? What, what, what's wrong with me? Have you ever stopped to ask yourself that? Well, that's what this psalmist is doing in, this, in Psalms 42. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? In a way, it's almost like he's having a conversation with himself. And here's what, here's what I want you to see in this passage, is that... His spirit is having a conversation with his soul. Did you know that we are made up of three components that make us as a, as a complete person? We have a mind, we live in a body, but we are a spirit that's going to live on and on forever and ever in one of two places. So when you look in the mirror, you're not really seeing yourself. You're just seeing your earth suit. This is what we've been given for walking around on this planet. And it is ideally suited for conditions on this planet. 26K. <clears throat> but our soul, which is made up of our mind, our will, and our emotions, have all different kinds of things going on inside. Our emotions vacillate. They're up and they're down. They're happy. They're sad. They're hungry. They are envious. They're jealous. They're angry. They, they feel peace. They feel harmony. They, our emotions and our soul has all, it, 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 just, it just runs crazy all the time. Then, who we most truly are is a spirit. And our spirit, the Bible tells us, our spirit remains dormant. 
like a, like a lantern that hasn't been lit until we invite Jesus into our heart, invite him to forgive us of our sin, commit our whole lives to following him and make him the leader of our life. When that happens, the Bible says that the spirit of God takes up residence within our spirit and it's like the flame on the lantern is lit. That's who we most truly are. It doesn't mean that our, our body disappears because once a person gets saved, they're still here. And when, remember when you got saved, you went and looked in the mirror and you still look the same. So your body doesn't get born again. That's going to happen at the return of Jesus or when you see him face to face. Our emotions, our soul, that wasn't born again either because those dirty words that you said before you got saved and then after you got saved and you stub your toe again, up they come again. That has to be transformed according to Romans 12 too. Don't be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's got to get renewed. But our spirit, the Bible says, my inner man delights in the law of God. Your spirit has been made perfect. It has wonderful and beautiful communion and fellowship with God. And it is designed to be the boss of your life. But think of like a, a, a car for a moment. A car is just a, a vehicle and it goes wherever it's told to go. Before a person gets saved, their emotions are in the driver's seat and it drives this way and it drives that way and it wants to do this and it's trying to drift around corners and, it, and we're, we are slaves to our emotions and our sinful desires. When we get born again, our spirit is designed to take the driver's seat. And so here's the conversation that the psalmist is having. Why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart sad? This man's spirit, David's spirit, is talking to his soul, to his emotions. Hey, why are you going haywire right now? It's not like he has a split personality, but his spirit is talking to his soul. And he says, I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior, my God. Now I am deeply discouraged. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. It says he put a, he's going to put his hope in God, but he's deeply discouraged. Can you see the conversation that's happening between his spirit and his soul? Just nod your head like this. Okay, all right, you're with me. And then he says, I will remember you, even from distant Mount Hermon, the source of the Jordan, from the land of Mount Mizar. I hear the tumult of the raging seas as your waves and surging tides sweep over me. So his emotions are, are raging, but of even greater magnitude is the presence of God that he invites when his spirit grabs a halt of his emotions and says, settle down. I'm going to connect with God. And it's in that moment that an even greater flood of God's presence comes sweeping over him. But each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me. And through each night I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. So, the title of this morning's message is Worship, It Does a Body Good. And here's what I want to do. I want to share with you five ways that worship does our body good. Last week, I told you to, to think about worship like, like a heart and this, this flow and this rhythm. This morning, although the weather didn't really cooperate, uh, this weekend, it really started to feel kind of like spring out there. Did you guys uh, get out and enjoy spring weather this weekend? Whoo, man, it was awesome. So 
I thought that it would be great if I could just give you another picture or another analogy to help you understand and wrap your brain around this concept of worship. And so uh, if, you, if you don't have a bike or if you don't ride much, um, sorry, this is just my brain and how it works. And so when you preach, you can use whatever object lessons that work for you. This works for me. So, behave. Worship is like a bike. That's clean. I like it like that. Five ways worship does our body good. Worship, like is like on, on a bike, worship is like brakes that keep our mind from spinning. You don't need to raise your hand, but does anybody in here, does their mind ever just start spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning? When you take your focus off of whatever it is that your brain is spinning about, Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe it's a relationship issue. Maybe it's finances. Ah, oh, what about this one? The future? Now, let's be honest for just a second. Whose brain spins and spins with uncertainty about the future? Spins and spins and spins. And have you ever noticed that the more you think about it and try to figure it out in your own natural resources, it's like the faster it gets going and going? When you worship, it's like the brakes just go on. Listen to this verse, Psalms 131, verse 1 through 2. This is from the Passion Translation. My heart is meek before you. I don't consider myself better than others. I'm content not to pursue matters that are over my head. Mm. Such as your complex mysteries and wonders that I'm not yet ready to understand. I am humbled and quieted in your presence. How do we get into his presence? Worship. Like a contented child who rests on his mother's lap, I'm your resting child and my soul is content in you. Five ways that worship does your body good. Number one, like breaks, worship quiets our mind from spinning. Here's the, second, here's the second way, is that like a chain, if we aren't connected, we can, we can spin and spin and spin and nothing ever happens. Input into the bike comes from three places. Your hand's here your butt in the saddle, and your feet on the pedals. You can ride a bike without handlebars for a little ways. You can ride a bike without a seat, but if you don't have input from the pedals, you're not going anywhere. God, in his goodness, because he loves us and he loves you, he's like the one inputting power that's measured in watts into the pedals constantly. 
but nothing is happening with this rear tire. Why? Because the chain is the critical ingredient that connects you to the power input source, which is God. Write this down. Like the chain, worship reconnects our heart to his. Like a bicycle chain, worship reconnects our heart to his heart. Listen to Psalms 42, but just a few verses that we didn't, a few verses previous. Verse 2 says, my soul thirsts and pants and longs for the living God. So this tire and this drivetrain was meant to receive input from the chain that comes from the source of energy, which is the legs. And once that chain is connected, everything begins to work the way that it should. Worship is like a bicycle chain that reconnects your heart with his. How long would this wheel be able to travel, not spin, but how long would this wheel be able to, to not spin, but travel if it wasn't getting constant input being connected by the chain? You could, depends on if you're going downhill or uphill. You know, life is not all downhill. And so, if it feels as though you're missing a measure of power in your life or direction or velocity in one direction, which is a vector, maybe it's because you're not connected. Well, how do I get connected? Worship. Yeah, but I don't like singing. It's not just about singing. Okay. Is this good for anybody that likes bikes? Okay. I'm already on number three. Like a, a front suspension fork. So there are a few of us in the room that, that rode mountain bikes with a, with a stiff front fork. We had a rigid front fork and our teeth would fall out anytime we descended anything. But... I mean, just about every bike, every mountain bike today has got a, a front suspension fork on it. And here's what I want you to think of. Like a front suspension fork, worship softens and tenderizes our heart. When you have a front suspension fork, it softens and tenderizes the trail and it absorbs some of those bumps. I want you to write this Verse down, Psalms 103, verses 1 through 5. And it says of David, Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all of your iniquity, who heals all of your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. If you feel tired, if you feel worn out, if you feel bone jarred from the life that you are living, it's maybe because your heart hasn't been softened and tenderized with worship. Now, here's what's interesting about worship. 
in most people's minds. Most people's minds says, well, if I feel like worshiping God, then I'm going to worship God. And that's okay to have that kind of thought. My goal is to bring you into a place of maturity so that when you feel good and you feel like worship, it just pours out of your heart. Whether it's in a corporate setting like this uh, or, or, or in your car or on the skin track or on the single track and you're listening to music, when you feel like worshiping God, it just pours out of your heart. I want to get you to that place of maturity when the fit is hitting the shan all around you, worship still pours out of your heart. Because if our heart were already soft and tenderized, then it would be easy to worship, right? Like, yay, life is great. But it's when our heart is hard that we especially need to have that soft, tenderizing heart. And that comes from worship. And he says, bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. So how does worship tenderize and soften my heart? Well, he says right here, you think about and you remember that he's forgiven all of my iniquity, my sin. And iniquity is different from sin. Sin is you mess up and you blow it. Iniquity is a, is a real churchy word. Sorry, real churchy word. That means repetitive, habitual sin in that one area. Maybe you just over and over and over there. Envy just keeps creeping in again and again and again, and it comes out in an icky way. Okay, so, so that would be iniquity. He forgives all of, not just sin, but also my iniquity. And it says he heals all of my diseases. He redeems my life from the pit. Oh, man. So when my heart is hard, if I go into a place of worship by exercising that muscle of discipline, I'm going to magnify the name of the Lord. I'm going to lift his name up. I'm going to open my mouth, and I'm going I'm to sing to him. Something begins to happen in my heart. Now, if you do this for, for five minutes, and you're like, eh, ain't felt nothing. Well, you need to do it for five more minutes. If you've done it for 10 minutes and you're like, eh, this is boring. Well, then you just go ahead and triple that amount of time. I guarantee you, I promise you, I promise you, as you step out and exercise that disciplined muscle, because you might not feel like it, especially if your heart is hard, you don't feel like worship. But that's what I mean by bossing yourself around. Sometimes you got to boss yourself around. And you enter into that place of worship, you cannot remain in a hard heart for very long. And if you're like, oh, now wait, 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 I, I don't even know like what worship is, and I don't even have worship music, um, I, I listen to K-Love, does that count? Here's what I, here's, let me, let me just say this about K-Love. K-Love plays a lot of songs about God. And that's great. Write songs about God. Let's sing songs about God. I would define worship as songs to God, okay? And K-Love has worship on there as well, all right? And if you're like, oh, I don't even know what K-Love is, bless your heart. How do I worship? So we, we started a playlist on Spotify, and if you have Spotify, great. Download it to your phone. You can put it on your desktop computer, and uh, there is a, a playlist that we created, a worship playlist starter pack. And 
You can, if you, if you don't have that, we sent it out. We sent that link out last week. If you would like that link, then just make sure that you fill out that connect card and then put, a, put your cell phone number on there and then we will send out a, a link to you so you can get in with that, that worship starter pack. Okay? All right. Number four. I like this one. Okay. So, when we spend time with Jesus in worship, worship is like a rear derailleur that helps us sink and be in the same gear that the Lord wants for us. Now, if you don't know what a rear derailleur is, I think I've got a picture of one. Do I have a picture of one, Christian? The next slide. All right, so it's this thing back here. So the input into the pedals stays the same, but you can change gears and it increases or decreases the mechanical advantage so that you can increase your RPMs and get into, like this big gear is great for climbing hills. This little gear is great for going fast. And when we worship, Worship is like this derailleur, and this is the derailleur, and it causes the chain to move up and down on this rear cassette here as you pedal. Worship is like a rear derailleur. It gets our heart in the right gear. This is good. All right, listen to, uh, listen to Psalms 37, 7. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Anybody in here ever wanted God to move now or yesterday or immediately on their behalf? Okay, well, you know he's God, right? You know he knows better than you, right? You know that if you wait patiently for him to act, he's got an incredible plan that when you get on the other side and then you look back, you'll be like, oh, that's what you were up to. I'm so glad we did it your way instead of forcing it my way. And how does, how, does, how, does worship, how does worship act like a derailleur? Well, it, it gets our heart in the right gear that when we worship, remember we're taking the focus off of ourselves. Worship is good for you, but it's not about you. And so when we press into his presence in worship, here's what happens. We realize that we're not quite as awesome as we like to think we are. We don't quite have it all together as maybe we think we do. I've got this great plan and it just needs to happen like this. Like, Lord, why don't you just bless my plan? When we get into a place of worship, we realize that anything that he is withholding from us in that moment, it's for our good. He's not punishing us. He is not, he is not dangling some carrot in front of us trying to coerce our behavior. He's not withholding from us because he feels slighted by us that we haven't worshiped him. Well, you must worship me and then maybe I will do. That's not how he works. When we enter into that place and our heart gets tenderized and soft and we're like, Lord, you just, you just be the boss of my life. As we do that, supernaturally, the derailleur begins to shift in or out and then we will, we will get in sync and in the right gear with him. 
Okay, last one. This is a pretty obvious one. Worship is like the handlebars on our bike. Wherever these go, the rest of the bike goes. Now, the body doesn't always go that way. That's why you need a brain bucket. But worship is like handlebars. That as we press in to, to spend time with him in worship, he steers us in the right direction. You ever had your, if you've ever, if you've done much mountain biking before, you know how horrific it is in those fleeting moments when your tires fall off the single track and they get stuck in that little rut area or a deep rut of mud that has dried and you get sucked into that rut and your body's wanting to go this way and your handlebars don't and you can't get your balance under you. Those moments of sheer terror. When we press in to him in worship, he is the one that steers us in the right direction. We let go. Listen to what Isaiah chapter 30 verse 21 says. Your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way that you should go, whether it's to the right or to the left. So good. Let me read it again. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21. Your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way that you should go. Let me just ask really quickly, how many of you in here this morning needed that verse? You Raise your hand, tell me. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I mean, God is speaking to you right now through this verse. Your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way that you should go, whether to the right or to the left. Let's do a quick, let's do a quick review, and then we're going put to put, in, put some things into practice. Like breaks, worship keeps our mind from spinning. Two, like a chain, worship reconnects our heart to his. Like a front suspension fork, worship softens and tenderizes our heart. Like a derailleur, worship gets our heart in the right gear so that we're not overly anxious. Also, on the other hand, when we spend time with him in worship, we may get, we may hear him speaking to us about now's the time to act, now's the time to act, now's the time to act. Don't delay, don't delay. But regardless of where our heart's at on this rear cassette. When we spend time with him in worship, we get in, the sync, we get in sync with him and in the right gear. And five, like handlebars, worship steers us in the right direction. Did I say there were five ways or six ways? Five, all right. Five plus one bonus that has absolutely nothing to do with the bike. Worship filters toxins from our heart and from our life. This has, this has I, I couldn't think of anything toxic on a bike, uh, so we'll just, all good analogies break down at some point. So worship filters toxins from our heart. I can remember times and seasons in my life where I was upset, I was angry, I was bitter, I felt disappointed, I felt let, let down by people and by God. And forgiveness is a, a big thing that helps. But my heart wasn't even, even close 
and ready to forgive, but I could worship. And so I would spend time in worship and I'd pour out my heart to him. It's not like when you go into worship that you have to be like, okay, I'm having such an awful day, but now as I go into worship, I just need to put on this happy, smiley face, like, yay, everything's good. Yay, I'm going to worship God. You know that you can go into worship with a lousy tude. We even just read that. The, the psalmist was saying, why is my soul down? Why are you downcast, oh my soul? But when you take the time to just press in, and maybe you listen to one song over and over and over. Maybe there's an album that you like. Maybe you started last week with that worship starter pack and you listen to those songs and get those songs in you. But the more of those you get in you, the more they begin to transform your life and your heart. And number six, like I mentioned a moment ago, worship filters the toxins from our heart. Now, on a toxicity level of your heart, on a scale of 1 to 10, how many of you know exactly the toxicity level of your heart right now? Don't raise your hand. I don't need to see numbers, but how many of you know how toxic your heart is right now? Odds are you probably don't have any clue. But when we worship, two things happen. We realize, like, oh my gosh, I've been so negative or I've just been carrying around such a... And then you, do, then you continue to worship. Then you continue to, to minister to the Lord as He ministers to you. That's that cycle, the flow of worship like a human heart. You minister to Him in worship and He ministers back to you. You'll realize like, oh man, I had doubt. I had unbelief. I was angry. I was disappointed, but then pressed through, and it gets all flushed out. I think I've, I think I've preached everything I wanted to. Oh, last thing, last thing. I, I, I told you last week that I was going to share my testimony with you about worship. Test, what's a testimony? Testimony is simply my story. What's my story with worship? So I got saved when I was a sophomore in high school. I was like, yay, the Bible. Yay, Jesus. I had grown, I had grown up going to church, but it was like, it was religious. It was dull. It was dry. It meant nothing to me. I just had to wear itchy socks and like these like, like uh, uh, polyester, like slacks. Ugh. And that's all church was to me. I got saved as a sophomore in high school. I fell in love with, with the Bible. It like came alive for me. It wasn't just some religious book, but it came alive for me. And, and uh, I grew in my relationship with the Lord. I went to church and, and, and the toxins built up, you know, the toxins built up. I didn't really know. I thought worship was something that you did at church service. It was like song time. I didn't really know what worship was. And then fast forward years later, uh, around 2001, sometime between 2001, 2003, I was a youth pastor 
at a church and I was just preaching fire and like, come on, we got to run hard after God. And there was this kid in our, in our youth ministry who would sit on the front row and take notes. And he was like this big Jesus freak. And I was so excited for him. And then one day I was driving through town and I saw on the back of his car, like his little pickup, he had all these like bumper stickers of all these bands. And I was like, oh man, I mean, they're great bands, but like that music is so bad. Like shame on that person for listening to that music and they turned the corner and it was that that kid i was like that sinner and as i was pointing at him the holy spirit was like you should see the band stickers that are on your heart i was like no and it was like you know in the days when like you had music in cd form and I was like, I gotta, the Lord just was like, you gotta clear out all that junk music from your life and from your heart. It has a, it has a root in your heart that, that, that is preventing deeper relationship with me. So you just gotta choose me or that music. And I was like, but the Beastie Boys, come on. It's a long, painful story, short, and I think I've mentioned this to you. I, I took all my CDs. It was a big stack like this. I brought them out onto the driveway and I have a flair for the dramatic. So I took a big sledgehammer and I was like, that's it. Now I'm just telling you my testimony. I'm not telling you what to do or anything. I'm telling you my testimony. I said this stack of CDs with like Beastie Boys bootlegs and like live recordings of like Rage Against the Machine never going to find ever again, and like, I was like, oh, and I wanted to save like some, like, I mean, these could be worth some money, and then I was like, oh my gosh, that's so dumb, put them right on top of the stack, took the sledgehammer, took me about two seconds to smash with one blow of the sledgehammer all those CDs, and about three hours to pick up the chips, but that was a symbolic act of just clearing that stuff out of my heart, and then I didn't have any music to listen to at all. I know the date. It was, it was, we got married in 99, so it was in 2000, because we were building a house in Melody Ranch, Log House, the prettiest log house you've ever seen in Melody Ranch, and we were building this log house, and so Lisa and I were on the job site stacking logs every day, and, you know, if you're working at a job site, you got to have tunes at the job site, and I didn't have any music to play at all, and then two days later, I got an envelope in the mail from my my amazing, crazy Vietnam vet uncle, Uncle Dean. And Uncle Dean, who I hadn't heard from in years and years and years, sent me an envelope with a CD in it and a little letter talking about how much he loved Jesus and how much this CD had changed his life and he wanted to share it with his, his nephew, Brian. So he sent me this CD, and it was the, the Pink Sonic Flood CD. Does anybody remember the Pink Sonic Flood CD? Cam does, a few of you who are Christians <laughs> at the turn of the millennium. That was the only CD we had. And we put that in that CD player, a little jam box, like we saw jam boxes. And I don't know if it's possible to wear out a CD, but we were on the job site like sometimes 16, 18 hours a day trying to get her done. And that CD was just on repeat all day long. 
continuously for the entire time that we were building our house. One CD. Matt was building his house a few blocks down. He was probably like, oh my gosh, am I... Okay. Yeah, yeah. He was still listening to Rage Against the Machine. We were listening to Sonic Flood. Notice he's sitting in the back row. But guys, I'm in a lifetime of just listening to, to, to junk music that didn't please and honor the Lord. Uh, this is my testimony. Do not, do not let me put anything on you. Don't. This is my testimony. It took, it took four months of non-stop listening to, to that one worship album to just clear out all of that junk from my heart. And, and so now, like, when I hear the Beastie Boys or Rage or Metallica or, or Tribe Called Quest or Farsight or any of those bands that I like, I'm like, yeah, I like it. Yeah, 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 it's great. Love it. Yeah, awesome. But it doesn't have that same place in my heart that it did. And it was during that time, combined with one other thing, receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that just ignited my heart for worship. It is my favorite music of all time, of all kinds, of all genres to listen to. I love to listen to worship, but I still sometimes have to exercise my disciplined muscle to, 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 to focus in on worship. Does that make sense? And maybe, just maybe, if you're like, oh, I, uh, that sounds interesting, tell me more. But you don't have any worship music, fill out that connect card. Put your, put your cell phone number in there, and then we'll send you a link to that Spotify playlist. Last week, I said, hey, let's do a challenge that we would only listen to worship music or that playlist of worship music for three weeks or as long as we're doing this series. And just watch how God will begin to filter those toxins out, how he, will, how he will reconnect you with his heart, how he will help you keep your mind from spinning, and how it can really transform your life. And the other part of that is, as I just mentioned, is receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you haven't done that yet, there's a big old banner in the back of the room that says, get your prayer on. When we get saved, we get a brand new life. When we get baptized in water, that's a picture of dying to that old life. And when we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that's receiving the power to walk out the new life that we've been given. And all you got to do is look through any page of this book to see how important the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. Let's stand to our feet. I want to pray for y'all. And then uh, we're going to put into practice what we've been talking about have something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me.